spirit fasting. Take the focus off of us and uh, realign with the Lord. Can somebody say amen? And so uh, Merely has an announcement on some prayer cards that you may have noticed. And uh, Merely is just going to jump up. We so appreciate Merely. Let's give her a hand. Thank you for all she does here at the church. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, James 5.16, the fervent or the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And when you need your church family uh, to come alongside of you to pray and believe when you have a time of need, that's what we're here for. We add our faith to your faith. And we believe not just not a, just a little quick prayer like, oh, bless them, heal them, or whatever. On Saturday morning, we pray over these prayer requests at 9 o'clock every Saturday, and every one of you are welcome to join us. But we take this very seriously. The ministry of prayer, just like fasting, is, I mean, they were the basis of a lot of what Jesus did, right? If he did that, how much more do we need to? Um, the prayer cards are on your seats today. They're always available to you. So please, whenever you have a need, fill one out um, and, and turn it in at the desk. And when, when your prayers are answered, please let the church office know so we can celebrate with you, glorify God, because your testimony encourages other believers. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much, Miralee. <clears throat> so, as many of you know, we are entering in a season here of praying fasting, and and uh, we're going to talk briefly about that this morning. But um, and I'll touch on uh, my wife and uh, a number of people have helped with the editing of a warfare prayer, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, the plan of prayer here today. But it takes me <clears throat> between five to nine minutes, but it's a template, right? It's not something you do religiously, but it's a template to help you uh, these next few days as we pray and fast. And so we can, we have this on an email format if you'd like, and Angie uh, Ellis can send that out. Uh, maybe we just do that as church-wide, and then we'll have some copies uh, for you on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night at the new building. <clears throat> so we'll be there. Construction still will be going on, but we'll be in the new building and I'm just thrilled to be able to have our first meeting there as a prayer meeting and a time of seeking the Lord. That's really exciting to me. So Monday and Tuesday night, 6.30 at the new building, and then Wednesday we'll be out there. Um, we won't have the full band, but, you know, maybe someone will be playing spoons, and maybe we'll have the keyboard or whatever, and Curtis is going to do a great job with all of that. Uh, so come out for that. Uh, there's a segment in my message I'm going to be talking about, about the Lord's Prayer, and I'm going to go, I'll delve a little bit deeper on Wednesday night. And one of the focuses, a couple focuses that's been on my heart is, number one is for the church family and your family members. Uh, without raising your hand, how many have a family, a family member that doesn't know the Lord? That's the, without raising your hands. Well, okay, yes, you're bull. Okay, we all know somebody, right, or somebody that needs to, and that's going to be really our passion in our heart that the Lord apprehend them this year, uh, that 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 they get touched by God, that they come into the kingdom of God. Uh, your children and your family, and so that's one of the focuses. And uh, uh, so, so we'll be praying and fasting and believing about that. And the other uh, focus, if I could say it, because I'll touch on it briefly here in a moment, is uh, that we are a full gospel church. I don't apologize for that. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, you know, there are other churches that, you know, whether it's seeker friendly, whatever, God has blessed them. They have done a great uh, 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 outpouring in the kingdom of God and how they approach and, and reach people and, and, you know, uh, that we're just, we're a Holy Spirit sensitive church, okay? And so we don't castigate that, and that's, God has blessed that, and so why would we, you know, say anything negative about that? But but I, I, when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I've been filled at the age of 15, God transformed my life. I'm not going to not talk about that, okay? And you say, well, pastor, do we have to? No, you get to. You get to be filled if you want to. I don't want that. Okay. <clears throat> nobody's going to be pushing you down or we don't have no chandeliers in here. So nobody's swinging from anything. But 
the new building, though, will probably have some attachments we could put up there. But anyhow, point is, is that, that, that I believe that in the beauty of spiritual language, especially when it comes to prayer, has helped me enormously when it comes to prayer. I mean, like, the ch- transform my whole life when it comes to praying and seeking the Lord. And so we want to pray for those of you who would say, you know what? I want. I want that. I want that, that the fill the Spirit. Say, well, I'm already filled with the Spirit. I know the Lord. I'm not going to argue with that. But do you pray in tongues? Well, you know, I don't want that tongues thing. Okay. But if you do, we will pray for you. And you will receive your heavenly language. So we're going to do that on Wednesday night. <laughs> so uh, we do have a little bit of booklets on my tongues. I think they're still somewhere around here. A lot of stuff's been packed and moved. But <clears throat> we actually probably have that also on an email, too, if someone would like to. Uh, we can get that out. But I'm throwing a lot on the administrative crew here and they're looking at me with big eyes. <clears throat> Amen. So we have communion today now. And then also I did a lot of, a lot of house stuff today. Uh, from after the service to uh, for a couple of hours, we're going to need help uh, moving uh, a few things. I know some people have brought trailers. Uh, thank you. Um, we need these chairs picked up and moved to the sides, but we need to get we need to get those lights out. So we need some room for that. Uh, this confidence monitor and all this this curtain and this all, all this coming down Saturday. You know, all our lights are gone down. So those of you on Facebook. We apologize, but we can handle it for the next few weeks, can't we? All right. So, amen. Now let me be quiet and pray. (laughs) Father, thank you for this moment. I thank you for your precious people that have come here. They brought their families, and and many are uh, seeking to hear and to know, to understand. And, Lord, I pray that you would minister to each person. Only you can do that because you're sovereign in your kingdom. But you said that we are to pray that your kingdom come and your will be done. And so I pray that here today. And Lord, I pray that your presence would come upon and your people and, and those guests, those that are here today uh, uh, wondering, Lord, that you would make yourself, show yourself real to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I want to talk to you briefly about why pray and fast and, and, and also going along with the exhortation about uh, uh, this being the best year, winning the spiritual war. <clears throat> and here's the thing, whether you like it or not, you're in a spiritual battle. I remember one guy told me one time, he said, you know what, Pastor Mike, <clears throat> if I leave the devil alone, he'll leave me alone. Well, yeah, th- that's scary. Because how many know, even though our Lord never sleeps or slumbers, neither does the enemy. Okay? Now, that's not the panic you would make you fear, but it should awaken us to the reality of our spiritual uh, uh, walk with the Lord. My text, Matthew 16, Matthew 16, verses 17 to 18, the scripture says, but, uh, but you, someone shout you. That means me, and that means you. When you fast, well, I don't know. Fasting's not in the Bible. You know, I don't know. That was Old Testament or whatever. This is New Testament, Matthew. Come on, somebody. Jesus is speaking. So it's not, you know, so you can't get any higher than him. All right. When you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you not be, may be seen fasting by men. Well, pretty much don't need explanation of what that is, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm fasting today. <laughs> Look all shabby, not washed, nasty teeth, not clean. Come on, somebody. You know, comb that hair, whatever's left. And it, it, this is what he's saying. And because the Pharisees used to do that. So people walk by, oh, they're, they're so holy. They're so holy. The only person that we're trying to uh, uh, honor is God. Amen. But he said, when you wash your face, you'll be fasting, my man. But your father who is in secret, father who is in secret, and <clears throat> he's going to, it says, he will reward you openly and he's going to repay. Amen. He's going to repay. And so here's a quote I said earlier. Uh, Well, nope, this is another quote. Prayer connects you to God. Fasting disconnects you from the world. That's it. That's my message right there. Why why are we praying? Prayer, come on, connects you to God. And fasting will 
disconnect you from the world. We just saw that through the video. And so we know that Jesus insisted that our fasting is not the sake of impressing other people. And it's, it's mentioned at least 30 times in the New Testament, always in a favorable uh, situation. And so I put up a, a definition last week, just as a teaser, uh, that's a generally accepted definition of fasting among Christians. And, and fasting is a temporary renunciation of something that is in itself good. How many know food is good? Amen. And um, sometimes I, not on occasion, because I've pulled away from TikTok, it's so crazy, but I'll see some little woman making or guy making some delicious little whatever, and I'll send it to my wife, like, wow, this seems, I want this right now, come on. <clears throat> you're not, you're not, you know, you got to respond better here this morning. <clears throat> Something itself is good, like food, so God knows food is good, okay? We're going to eat in heaven. I don't like lamb, so God has to change my, you know, I'll just have a steak or a prime or something. But our expression, to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God in his work and our lives. Let me see that same man. Here's the quote. If this year is the best year of your life spiritually, it will be the best year of your life. Amen? It will be the best year of your life. So prayer is a lifeblood uh, of the Christian and in the Christian faith. Uh, many believers still struggle to make a prayer. And let me, just, let me just say, I'm not the moral authority here. I'm not, Jesus is, okay? And, and so I have stumbled and fall and times I've missed it. And, and so please, uh, I don't want to come across as the moral authority here, but God is. Uh, but, you know, we struggle to make prayer part of our daily lives. Uh, and some make it as a last resort. Maybe, you know, they run into a desperate situation and uh, they have an immediate need. Oh, we, we better call out to the guy upstairs now. And well, what's happened? Well, this, this and that. Like, my God, I mean, now you're starting to pray. <clears throat> what, what, why did we let it get to this point? How many with me say amen? And sometimes we treat prayer like a, a, a crisis response line. Like, you know, oh, God, 911 or hashtag 777. God, you know, help me. And how many know prayer is not a last resort, but a front line of defense? That, that's really what it is, because God is not a last resort, but he is the one to whom we look to first. And so one of, let me just say this, that one of the most important things, a young man, a young woman, a Christian, a mature Christian, whatever it could do, is build a strong personal prayer life. Not memorize tons of scripture, that's amazing. Not make sure that you're religious about whatever it may be. No, that you build a personal prayer life. And I would say this, be a part of a local church that has a dynamic prayer culture culture within it, that actually people do pray, or they have corporate times that you can pray. And sadly, over 30 years of ministry, you know, a lot of people, they don't have the desire to pray. Usually they've been asked and say, you know, you want to pray? Yes, you know, I, I really do. I want to pray, or maybe the inspiration, or they hear inspiring messages, and yeah, I'm going to do this, or they read books, and about intercession, and petition, and thanksgiving, and praise, and all of that, And <clears throat> but usually, practically speaking, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, and when there's a call to prayer, people disappear. <laughs> the smallest meeting at church is the prayer meeting. I'm just, yeah. It just, it just waited. And I think about that. I was like, well, so why? Why? Not to be critical, but some people, they don't know what to say. Right? Come in, sit there. Music's playing. I don't know what to do. You know, bless grandpa and grandma. Bless, you know, you go through the list, and that's a pretty short list, right? <clears throat> they don't know how to fill the time. For a lot of people, it feels awkward. Uh, it's not engaging. Sometimes people just sit there or whether in silence. And I can remember back in 1992, 93, my wife and I were out in New England. And uh, my brother had a, a 1969 Firebird uh, uh, on blocks and no wheels, no interior, anything. And he goes, hey, if you want to restore that, uh, you can have it. I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> Can't do much with it. But we found some tires and rims. And, and then he drove by and found, hey, a guy had all new, basically pristine interior for like 100 bucks. And we got that. And I put it in. And, and so the engine uh, was was kind of hatched. And we rebuilt the motor. And and my dad helped me with that. It was a tremendous blessing. And then, but the outside needed to be painted. I'm like, I'm going to do that myself. I'm going to try to be the auto body guy. And uh, I had no place, no tools for that, nothing. And uh, I was kind of frustrated. And I am getting to a point with this story. This is a little side note, so just bear with me. And we met this couple in church, uh, uh, Bob and, and Jan Shrout. And they had cranberry bogs in New England. And so they began, they made them, the cranberry bogs that they're on the South Shore. And and uh, we would go there and meet with them. And they were part of the church. You, big guy. He was uh, probably like six, four. And he was in the, he was in the military. He was in the army, uh, back in the, uh, seventies and, and, uh, served in post-World War, uh, Germany. And, and I like Bob. Bob was like a, just like a, almost like a dad to me. And, and I was, as I was praying and he's like, what are you going to do with that car? And I was like, well, I'm just, I have no place to do it and restore it and do anything. And he goes, I got a shed. And so we went there and it was like heaven. And, 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 and so they, they had a small house, but he had a big shed. <laughs> Some of you ladies just looked at your husband right now like, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, and all the tools, every tool, compresses, grinders, every sprayers, everything. He goes, you can have and use everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I was, so Rhonda would come and, you know, I would just work on that and spray paint it. And he was just thrilled that he was able to bless me. And, and so we would take teams out at that church. It was actually in Rockland, Mass. And we would go to the beach uh, near Cape Cod and the South Shore. And I'd carry a 10-foot cross. And we'd go out and pray. And so he came. He wanted to be a part of that. And uh, he really just kind of got thrusted and catalyst into the things of God. Here's my point. The point was, is we were in a circle on the beach, and we were ready to go out. And I said, well, let's pray. I said, Bob, will you pray? <laughs> I mean, here's this big guy, you know, and kindest, biggest heart. I'll never forget him. He moved home to be with the Lord at 80 back when, in 2014, and he just froze. He didn't know what to say. And I said, it's okay, Bob, you know, you can, nobody was around. There was no audience or nothing. It was just nine of us or eight of us just in a circle. And he, he, he prayed, but it was just, I don't know, it spoke to me. It's like, wow, uh, some people just don't know what to say. But he grew in that, and he grew in his faith, and it was a tremendous blessing. But sometimes it can feel awkward. That's my point. Amen? We don't want prayer to be awkward. God does not want it to be awkward. And, and I said this at the beginning of the service that, you know, when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, 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 it changed my life in prayer. And, and um, being filled with the Spirit, praying in the heavenly language, which God has, I believe, a heavenly language for every single one of you, if you want it. If you don't, that's your choice. <clears throat> it was a huge catalyst in my prayer life. So because I could walk and pray in the Spirit, as the Bible talks about, when you pray in the Spirit, you know, you don't, your mind is unfruitful. So in other words, you, you, you know, you can still think, but, but your spirit man is praying, or your spirit woman is praying. And it's praying, as Romans says, the perfect will of God. Now, how many know that there are times we pray and we miss it? God, you got to get this person. I've had it with them. Do you know what's going on? God, you need to. And the Lord is saying, you need to change your heart. So when you pray in the spirit, come on, somebody, and you're praying, thinking, I'm getting so excited. Your prayers are, forgive me, Lord. Lord, change my heart. I humble myself, but you don't know. That's really, in essence, when you pray in the spirit, you're praying God's perfect will for that situation. I don't know about you. I can miss it. But with praying in the spirit, you won't. And here's the thing. And you say, why is it in a tongue like that? Because the devil can't tap your line. Come on, he can't break and crack your cell phone number. When you're praying in tongues, the devil don't know what's going on. He said, well, it should be a known language. Well, there's over 6,000 known languages that we know of in, on the earth. Do you know every one of them? I could bet somebody in here doesn't know more than five. That could be wrong. What am I trying to say? The Bible talks about languages that are known and languages that were unknown or the tongues of angels. Well, I think there's a lot of angels out there 
right? So there's a communication and it's vast. And so God, if you're hungry for that, we'll give you that heavenly language and, and I can walk and I can pray and I can pray my understanding and then I can, I can pray in the spirit while I walk. And that's why people kind of wonder like, what are they doing there? We're just praying in our heavenly language. And that's appropriate when it comes to prayer meetings. Okay, now if I just stood up here and started screaming in tongues, half of you think this guy's nut job. I would think that too. And Paul talks about that, 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 you know, you don't just go blabbing out and people don't understand. You don't talk about it. And there's a place for that. How many with me say amen? amen. Now that I just rocked all your boats, let's move on. <clears throat> Prayer is simply communion with God and confronting the enemy. Okay? That's how I define him. You commune with the Lord. You commune with God. You talk to him like you would talk to just a regular person. And it's, I find it funny, too, at some God bless them, pastors, and, you know, you get to, you know, they, they love the Lord, and they're real passionate, and you talk to them normal, and it's time to pray. Thou, Lord, thou most highest, nobody talks like that, and it's like, what is that? Come on, just talk to the Lord like you would talk to your spouse, amen, or someone you love, you know, should, should be your spouse, amen. Uh, moving right along, <clears throat> so, um, Okay, so so communion with God. So I want to just very quickly just touch on for a few moments about the three P's of prayer. And the first thing I'd say would be the priority of prayer, the priority prayer. <clears throat> now, yes, I think God can listen to your prayers at any time throughout the day. Can somebody say amen? But there's something about firsts. You can pray any time of the day, Okay. But this, I, I just like the first part of the day, okay? I mean, why do people make New Year's resolution in January? Well, it's the first, you know? It's like, well, start this year off. Or, and, you know, we typically, within the month of January, or like this is the beginning of February, we like to do first pray and fast. Why do we go to uh, church on Sunday? It's the first day of the week. We worship. Um, why do we tithe? Because it's the first of the first fruits. We give back to what God has blessed us. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> and the same is true of prayer. If you, can, if you can start your day with reading God's word and worshiping and seeking him and not going to your phone first. I've been guilty of that. Oh, wait a <clears throat> Come on, somebody. Not your email. Not your workout. <laughs> Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. I want to encourage you and challenge you, especially these next few days, to make prayer the first thing. Because if you do, I really believe it's going to be the best three days of your life. Mm. Spend time with the Lord. Just try it and see. Making it a priority in the morning time. I really believe there's some power behind that. Okay? Number, uh, number two, quickly. The place of prayer. The place of prayer. Now, this isn't legalism here, but I think I have some scriptural precedents to help, you know, validate this. I'm a big believer that you need to go to a specific place to pray. Um, <clears throat> I'm not talking about some dark, dungy, whatever, but some place, some place. The Bible says that Jesus went to a solitary place and he prayed. And uh, uh, he had a place of prayer, and he enjoyed going to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. Uh, and then also it says in Mark 135, it says, Very early in the morning, there's that first, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So I'm a big believer in that. And, and you know, when you, you talk about people that are, you know, successful in and, and life and, and, you know, that are, that, that, you know, mostly to, 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 to some extent, and you would say mostly in their lives, they schedule their lives. They, have a, they don't walk through life willy-nilly and like, what are you going to do today? Oh, well, I don't know. We'll see what the day brings. 
They schedule their lives. Like, I got an appointment at 10, at 1.30, and so I have a time for lunch. I can get coffee at 2.30. I put, put it on the calendar, and my wife has been so wonderful to try to get me on the calendar online, but I still have my calendar on my desk with my stencil, and I put in, and she says, well, what if you're away from the office? She's right. I need to get it online. Point is, schedule. And you can schedule times that when you seek the Lord. Is that a life-giving? Is that, that's not legal. It's just try to be life-giving. You know, I, I pulled this up because I thought, well, what does Pastor Mike do? Because people have asked me, this is my prayer grotto. And a grotto makes me a little cave. It's just a little cave. Uh, it's my place. So I don't know if you can pull that up. So that's under the steps of my house. So, of course, I have my Marine Corps, you know, back part of my blanket there, just, you know, and the flag, U.S. flag, amen. Got to pray for America, amen. So, but then you sit down, that's it. It's nothing fancy. That's my prayer grotto, but that's the place to go. And while we were doing the house over, the one thing that was on my mind was, where am I going to have a place? And there was a house one time we didn't have the basement finished. And I was very concerned about it. And I was like, honey, we need a, I need a room. So I, I built a room in the basement. <clears throat> Just throwing that out there. A place. Because when you go to that place, it's a place where you can quiet yourself. And you can seek the Lord. You can, you know, whatever. It, you, you can spend time with the Lord. How many with me say Amen. Or owe me. Now, this is like, you know, some of you are thinking, honey, we don't have a place. I got to build a shed for my prayer grotto. I, I can hear it now. Pastor, you know, you, we just added 28 grand just to, no, fine, just start somewhere, okay? I mean, when I was in Bible school, there was no, actually no place to pray because every room was filled. So I would get up in the morning and go in my car. I'd get in the car. I started when it was cold, but it was in Dallas. I just prayed right there in the front seat, you know, the driver's side and uh, excuse me, the passenger side, and just just pray and you nail know, and spend time. That's it. Nothing fancy. Just a place to pray. How many see that say Amen? So for some of you, you may walking, you're getting your exercise, and <clears throat> you're commuting in your vehicle, you're driving, and some people you have 25, 30 minutes. You know, when I served the church in Ashby, it was 30 minutes one way. I went through boatloads. Well, they were cassettes back then. Come on now. And I love cassettes, because why? When you stop with the cassette, you can start up. Now you stop and start in these things. It's so, anyhow, and CDs really threw me for a loop, but took me a while to get rid of it. Actually, we have CDs for sale, if anybody needs any CDs. <laughs> Maybe using for Frisbees. I don't know. Um, but it, 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 it doesn't matter. The power is in spending time with God. Are you still with me this morning? Have your own place. And once again, it was a tremendous catalyst for spiritual formation and growth of my life. And I'm not saying be religious about it in the sense of that, that, you know, you, you know, this is something that you bring yourself under condemnation, but it's out of a desire and a love to grow yourself, you separate yourself. We see Jesus did that. Well, he went into the wilderness, okay? So he didn't have chairs and whatever as far as we know, but, but he, he had a place. And so I want this year to be the best year of your life. And if it's the best year of your life spiritually, it'll be the best year of your life. So I just want to encourage you, whether you're a student, you go to school or whatever, find a place. Just read the word, break it open. All right? <clears throat> How many still with me? Say amen. And then very quickly, number three would be the plan of prayer. And so the disciples, when they came to Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Here's the thing. They knew how to pray from the law. They knew it growing up in the Jewish community. Uh, they were raised in Jewish homes. You couldn't even go through your bar mitzvah. Maybe you have a slide you can pull that up there. I have put up about a bar mitzvah, and as a young boy, when a Jewish boy or, uh, turns 13, they now recognize him as an adult. How many 13-year-old young men and women do we have here today? Right? I mean, they recognized you as an adult. And they would, they would say, we welcome you into the community of man. And, you know, women had their own thing, but we welcome you in it. And you, you have a responsibility now spiritually for your walk with the Lord. Well, that's mommy and daddy's Jesus. They do that. No, as a young man or young woman, 
You are responsible. And in and, 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 and the Jewish faith, and so, so they couldn't even go through this bar mitzvah without knowing how to pray. They were taught the scriptures. They were taught to memorize the scriptures, find the passages in the Torah, and they knew that. They knew that. So, so why did the disciples say to the Lord, teach us how to pray? Because they knew when Jesus would come out from behind that rock when he prayed, he touched God. Something happened. God moved. So, so they were like, we don't know what you're doing, and we've been taught it, but there's something you're doing that's different. How many with me say amen? And, and, and so we observe, we see the results. Maybe we've learned something, but we want to do it like that. And so we know, and I'm going to delve a little bit more into this because we're just going to go through it quickly through one slide. Jesus, you know, we talked about the Lord's Prayer. There's several phrases. Uh, the Bible says you can pray without ceasing. And so we need a template. We really need a template. And there's, there's numerous templates that are out there to help you. And once again, the Lord's Prayer is just a model prayer. It's not something that you repeat, that you repeat constantly and quickly. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And you've got to recite. No, it's a model for a template on how to enter into God's presence and how we worship the Lord. I'm going to touch on more of this uh, on Wednesday night, but it's based out of uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6 and a few other verses. Uh, very quickly, I'll go through it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we go to God, the first thing we don't say is, God, I'm telling you, this is what I need. You got to turn this thing around now. You worship him. You come into his presence and say, Lord, you got a lot of needs. He knows you got a lot of needs, but you honor him. I pray, Lord, I, adore, I praise you. You are worthy, God. That's what we do before we hear the word this morning. What do we do? We adore him. What are we doing? We're worshiping him. We're adoration. Why? Because he inhabits the praises of his people. <laughs> he doesn't need our praise. He's God. He needs nothing. But how many know out of gratitude are you thankful you're saved from hell? Every day is a day of adoration. Thank you, God, for saving. Thank you for saving me. Thank you, Father God. So all of us have an adoration that we can thank God for. And we'll talk more about that, Lord willing, on Wednesday. Your kingdom come it has to do with consecration. Your daily bread, supplication. Forgive us our debts if we forgive our debtors. That intercession means to go between. And we'll talk about that. Lead us not into temptation. Talking about protection. How many see that? Say amen. And so we'll just touch on that briefly uh, on, on Wednesday. So once again, it's a template. It's a template. Uh, you know, for, for uh, some of you, you know, you just need a Bible that you can mark up. Somebody gave you this nice big old honking Bible. It sits there. The pages have never been turned. And all the gold pops if you turn it. Because Get you a Bible you can mark up. God is not offended. I still have my original Bible that my parents gave me back in the 70s, and it's been restored twice. But I don't, I don't, that's, that's, this, that's that Bible right there. That, that's one. It's King James. I don't understand that. Get you a, a contemporary English version or something. Cross-reference it. Get something that have, you can write it underline. Amen? <clears throat> Just to help you. And so <clears throat> mark it up. Uh, other types of prayer templates. Once again, I, I, I talked about the warfare prayer. Uh, another one is the tabernacle prayer. Some people like to pray that. Uh, you, you can just Google that and or duck, duck, go that or whatever, you know, choose. And there'll be numerous tabernacle prayers. Talks about when you enter the gates of the courtyard and there's the brass altar and the laver. And then there's the Holy of Holies. And so those are all uh, ways that can help you when you sit there and you're just wondering, what do I do? How do I begin? Well, what do I say? These are templates to help you in prayer. Amen. <clears throat> Uh, you can pull this verse up. Some of you have maybe heard a number of years back the prayer of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4.10. 1 Chronicles 4.10, Jabez cried out to the, the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me. How I many you want to be blessed to the Lord? Amen. And enlarge my territory. Well, that's good. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm. Yes, Lord, that's really good. So that I'll be free from pain. Oh, amen. And God granted his request. There's a whole template in prayer just in that, if you would do that. Now, very quickly before we conclude here, I want to touch on fasting. Joel chapter 2. 
and corporate fasting. It's like, why do you do that? Well, maybe an individual, why do you call a church to corporately fast? Well, here's why in numerous other verses. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Pastors should do that. Just throwing that out there. <clears throat> Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and the babies. How many know that includes everybody? <laughs> so let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. And there's numerous other verses about corporate fasting examples in the Bible. And so one of the things about fasting for a lot of people, uh, I, I, let me just particularly say this. I don't get so giddy and excited about the next three days. It's agonizing for me, okay, regardless. And for some of you, you just, you know, the thing about the video with the cell phone or whatever, if some of you just cut out, I'm going to say it, social media for three days, some of you may go into anaphylactic shock. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Mm -mm, no, no, Pastor, no. That's your life constantly. That right there is probably huger than you skipping a meal or two. But whatever the Lord tells you to do, you seek him these next few days. I'm not going to tell you. It's not my place. But we're calling a solemn assembly corporately to come seek the Lord, to focus on really what matters. Amen? So for some people, it seems too hard. And, and some people, it's even for food, you know, and they have health issues or whatever, they can't. And so there's other things you can consecrate. Maybe cut out Netflix. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, let's, I mean, you know, I know what it's like 20 below. It's dark, early, dark, late, dark, I constantly. feel like we're living in Alaska sometimes. <laughs> Anyhow, I get it. But there's some things we could cut. Everybody's just looking at me like straight face here this morning. I don't know why. Not much emotion here this morning. Oh, my God. He's reading my mail. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is. <laughs> All right, I'm going to end with this here. Is that okay? And we're going to receive communion. Fasting. There's this moment in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. I will read all them, but I'll just touch on a few of them. So the scripture says that, and they brought him, this boy, to your disciples, the father speaking. If you read a little bit more in the context, you understand, but I'm jumping around here. And he, he would have these seizures. This demon would uh, thrash him and throw him into the fire, and he wanted deliverance. He's crying out. And the disciples pray for him, and he's not set free. And so here's the story. He takes off. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. So they bring him to Jesus. And so they couldn't drive the demon out. Here's the thing. The disciples were shocked that they couldn't. And the reason they were shocked, because uh, Jesus before said uh, they had been given authority to cast out devils. So they've done this before. They've already done this. Are you following me? So what's going on? So in Matthew 17, 17, Jesus identifies the problem. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't temper it. He goes right to the juggler. Okay, so I'm going to go right to the juggler, okay? He says, oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. We don't really, well, unbelieving, you didn't, they didn't have enough faith. Or, you know what, oh, they did it. They cast out devils before. They're perplexed, and, and they're wondering, why couldn't we do it? So Jesus identifies the problem with two words. And then this next slide, I, he, I'm going to define those. Unbelieving means you're not connected enough to God. Perverse means you're too connected to the world. But he tempers it. Now watch this. Jesus is saying, hey, you're both unbelieving. He's saying a broad statement. Unbelieving. You're not connected enough to God. You're too perverse. You're too connected to the world. Ouch. For all of us. Amen. Uh, and once again, Jesus in Mark 9, 26, he says, all right, bring the boy to me. And so he brings, they bring the boy to Jesus. What does he do? He casts them out, and that demon comes out. But it even says this. It surrenders immediately, but it's a violent manifestation. Okay? Um, and the Bible says... Uh, uh, that the disciples are embarrassed, basically. You can read in the context, and they pull Jesus aside, and they go, um, what's the deal here, Lord? 
how, I mean, you sent us out, before you sent us out two by two, Sammy, we cast out devils. What's go, we're a little embarrassed here. Why couldn't we drive out that demon? So number one, I'm almost done here. Jesus already, he diagnosed the problem, amen? You're not connected enough to God and you're way too connected to the world. <clears throat> and then Jesus, you know, when he, when he starts the deliverance with this boy, he asked the question, Mark 9, 21, he said, Jesus asked, how long has this been happening to him? And it says, from childhood, he was oppressed. And so that could be years or could even be a decade or so. It's a child, a young boy. Then Jesus says these beautiful words, which some translations have admitted, and you may not see it in your Bible. If you get a King James Bible, it's in there. <laughs> Matthew 17, 21, watch this. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Some translations only say by prayer. <clears throat> Mark 9, 29 says it again in the other gospel. Jesus said to them, this kind of demon cannot come out by anything except by fasting and prayer. How many see that say amen? Well, okay. Jesus could have said, this kind, watch this, cannot be driven out by anyone but me. He didn't say that. No. He said, it's, this kind only comes out by praying and fasting. And that speaks to me in my life today. That speaks to, see, Jesus knew what he was talking about. And Jesus understood. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> and there's a whole teaching on why some admitted asceticism in the fourth century. It means abstinence that, you know, any type of a consecration in your life and and, uh, 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 you know, suppressing and renouncing the desires of your flesh. And, and then so you'll have a higher state of spirituality. No, that's why some of them admitted it because they say some of, the, some, of the, some of the earlier transcripts don't have it in it, whatever. Listen, if it doesn't belong in the Bible and it's in my Bible, then somebody added something to the Bible. And the Bible says you're cursed, Right? So it's in, it's in the Bible. It's in my Bible. And it's in early translations, but it wasn't in all the manuscripts. So to me, I'm thankful it's there. <laughs> because why? I believe it should be there. I believe in the power of praying, and I believe in the power of fasting. And it isn't trying to twist God's arm, trying to make him do something, whatever it has to do with us, our heart. And getting too much of the, come on, somebody, the world. All right? and too indifferent to the things of God. Stand with me, if you would, please. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> hey, listen, we need the truth. I need the truth. And if God has a revelation for us to break some things and change things in our lives that perhaps maybe we could participate in, I want to do that. I want to do that. This isn't a, you know, well, you're bending God's arm. no. I believe it. It's what Jesus said, and it applies to us today. I believe it's, it, it's there. Uh, pull up, if you would, 1 Peter 5, 8. The Bible says that we conclude with this. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because what? Somebody shout, your. That's you. Me. Your adversary. It's the devil. Right? How many see that? It's not Pastor Mike's adversary alone. It's not the, the church, you know, the church. It's your adversary. It's the devil's, your adversary. I want you to see that. He walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he devoured. And people said, you know, I heard we're in a faith movement. Yeah, but he's been de, you know, toothed, so he can only gum you. You better not believe that. He's still a roaring lion, and he wants to devour. Why? How do you know that, Pastor Mike? Have you ever seen believers get devoured? Come on, somebody. Have you seen families been devoured? Yeah. You look back and you go, oh, my God. I mean, the, the devil pulled out the plumbing, the wires, everything. That, that house collapsed, devoured by the things of God. But you see, when you, when you got God in your life, and it seemed like you think you've been devoured, you think, oh, God, I've been devoured. No, 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 no. God turns that around. He has the ability to turn that around and say, you know what, devil? Enough is enough. You're done. They're my son. They're my daughter. But we need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. There's an adversary, the devil. I'm going to end with a story here. Back in the 1950s, this will date me. I wasn't alive then, but I remember Dr. Lester Summerall. 
and some of you don't know about him, you can search, and he's a man that actually lived. He started, had a tremendous ministry, uh, had a television ministry back when television wasn't really popular for, for ministers. And he served as a young man as a missionary to the Philippines. And I was stationed in the Philippines back in the 1980s. And uh, uh, he was in Manila in some of the rural areas. And he was actually building a church. And what happened was, this is a true story, uh, it hit actually national news. While he's occupied, he said, building the church, focusing on doing things, even without having authority from the city to do, because it was so corrupt, he was just building his church. I thought, I like that. He was moving forward. He was moving forward. But what happened was, he said, I was so focused on that. Watch this. He said that, that, um, that I read in the paper that, that this girl that is being bitten by demons. She was a prostitute. Her name was Carlita. And they got her into prostitution, the family, when she was 13 in the rural areas. And then by the time she was 17, she was in Manila. And uh, it was really, really bad. Well, she propositions a police officer. They arrest her and they put her in prison. And now it's all, it's all been in the news. It's been verified. She's screaming in torment and she's possessed by two spirits, she says. One's like an imp thing, it was like a gorilla, and they would simultaneously bite her all over her body. And some of you are going, oh God, this is scaring me. This is a wake-up call. The devil, your adversary, is real. Okay? And and they would bite. And and they would take pictures and look all of a sudden what's going on and she'd scream. So they brought in doctors and they scanned her. They took x-rayed and nobody could figure out what's going on with this girl. And uh one of the physicians in the head jailer, one between two different times, mocked and said, you're just putting this on. The doctor said, this is a big game. She said, you will die soon. Four days later, he was dead. The head jailer kicked her and, you know, abused her. And she just looked out, hissed at him, the demon, and said, you'll be dead. He died with his clothes on in his uniform three days later. So this is national news. Went all the way to Sweden. And here's Dr. Lester Summerall is a young man in the Philippines, and he's building the church, so focused on the church. And he reads the article, and the Lord said, I want you to go, and I want you to cast the devil out of her. He reads, watch this, because he was so occupied with the church, he didn't go. And the Lord told him three times, I want you to go. He goes, Lord, I'm busy with it. He said, you're too busy. You're the only person left that could go to help this person. Nobody else could help her. And he goes, I love her. I care about her. I want to set her free. This is a true story. So he finally goes in to the cell. News reporters there. Cameras are there. This is all you can, you can, you can go home and, and go, wow, this is a true story. You can Google it. <clears throat> and and they, they were there taking pictures. And he walks in the room. And, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of dramatizing this, but I can just see it because I've been involved in demonic situations, setting people free, that she looked around, saw everyone. The moment she saw him, she screamed. Ah! She goes, I hate you. He goes, I know you hate me, but I'm casting you out in the name of Jesus. He left and he prayed and fast for three days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he came back after the third day. And this, these demons left this girl and never bitten again. She sat there in her right mind, totally set free, freaked out all people writing articles about it. Well, we think maybe this happened or whatever happened, whatever. And the mayor of the city was so moved. He went up to him and he hugged him and he said, what do you want? He says, actually, mayor, I have some things I do need. I need approval for my building because you haven't given me permits for anything, but I've already started. Okay, signed it right there. What else do you need? He goes, I want to do a crusade. Where? Right there in the center of the community. You want to do it in the Central Park there in Manila? He goes, yes, I want to do it. Well, how long? You want a day or two? I want it six weeks every night. So he gets permission. You got it. What else you want? Basically, they gave him the key of the city. <laughs> and this girl was there. 160,000 people came out. It was a major revival. Because somebody said, yes, I will pray. I will fast. I will seek the Lord. And the devil was routed. Friends, church is not a game. Come, it's not a game. There's a real spirit realm. And I just want to, I, I know it's a heavy, strong word, but 
I want us to lean in to God. I want us to, this sense of desperation in our life that we can't play church. I really feel God right here. I feel the Holy Spirit here. And you know what he's doing? He's, he's wrapping his arms around many of you. He's wrapping around and he's, and some of you, you think, oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But right now you just feel in this moment right now, God is wrapping his arms around you saying, I love you, but this is going to be the best year of your life. If it's the best year spiritually. Amen. If he had bowed, please. Hallelujah. Prayer connects you to God and fasting disconnects you from the world. Prayer connects you to God. Well, are you, are you saying I'm not saved? Not at all. But you can be saved and disconnected doing your own thing. Hallelujah. Once again, fasting, it's not always about food. I want to challenge you all today. If you can receive this message, think about the place God is stirring that you need to pray. And then are you too connected to the world? What area? What, what is it? Maybe you play video games up to two in the morning. I don't know. How are you too connected to the world? And the challenge these next few days of the church, it's not for the next 30 days, it's just for, for three days. Disconnect and connect to God this morning. Here's the thing. Some things will not change unless we humble ourselves and pray and fast and, and, and seek the Lord. Some oppression will not lift without seeking the Lord. Some wounds and some, some trials will not end. Some sins will not die. Some relationships will not mend until we seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. So the question is, I conclude, what hasn't changed in your life? Because you haven't prayed or sought the Lord. With every head bowed, you hear this morning, man, I feel the I feel the presence of God. I almost feel a, a just a, a prophetic mantle or anointing here. It's hard to Hallelujah. Come on, just lift your hands if you would this morning. Hallelujah. It's like the reality of the spirit realm has awakened some of you. And here's the encouraging thing, church. God will move on behalf of your willingness to go deeper. Did you hear that? God will move on behalf of your willingness to consecrate yourself. You're not bending God's arm. You're not trying to do things for God's approval. You're not trying to, you know, get make a good impression to the Lord. No, no, no. You're saying no to the flesh and yes to God. That's all. That's all you're doing. Shut up, flesh. Sometimes I have to tell my flesh, shut up, flesh. You shouldn't use that word. When it comes to your flesh, you should. <laughs> You're here this morning. You say, I'm not right with the Lord. Once again, I'm not the moral authority, but Jesus is. Why do I present the gospel at each service? Because I don't want you to go to hell. I don't want you to be lost. I, I, I don't want you to miss what God has. That's why. You're here and you say, I'm not right with God in this holy moment. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, fill me with your presence. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life.